We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. After a massive win in Milwaukee last week, the Knicks looked to double up the W's against the Bucks on Wednesday night at the Garden, but the night ended with the bench failing to bail out the starters and some big questions on Tom Thibodeau's ledger. Hello and welcome to the Putback with Ian Begley. Live, I'm Chris Williamson alongside SNY NBA insider Ian Begley. Joining us this afternoon is Sean Farmer, a well-respected basketball trainer who's been on the show before, and of course, Casey Powell, CP, the franchise who always hosts down Knicks Fan TV. We are live on SNY's Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages, as well as streaming on SNY.TV. As always, you can get involved in the comments section throughout this entire stream. But we're going to kick things off, in with the baseline, or I should say tip things off with the baseline. What exactly happened uh, for the Knicks in Wednesday's loss against Milwaukee? The biggest issue was the starting lineup, just getting smoked again. And this is something that's been recurring a little bit early on this season. And, I, you know, I think where we are now, it's too early to, to make any judgments one way or the other. But it's troubling that the starting five ha- has really struggled to hold its own. Uh, the net rating is poor. The defensive rating is poor for that five of uh, Kimball Walker, Evan Fournier, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. And when you look at it, it's really three new starters because Mitchell Robinson was out for the most of last season. Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, free agent additions in place of uh, Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton. So I, I think some of it is maybe these guys just getting used to playing together. But, you know, the idea that the defense for them has been this bad uh, so soon is certainly troubling. Yeah, it's very surprising, especially because Tom, you know, preaches that. That's part of his philosophy and identity as a coach. And CP, the next starters in that game only shot 33% from the field. 
But Coach's big takeaway was being out-rebounded by the Bucks, 50-38, to 38, after out-rebounding them last week in my Milwaukee. So which, stood out, which side stood out to you more last night? Well, well, Chris, well, I just want to take a step back and, and salute to all the vets out there. Happy Veterans Day yes. Yes. and uh, and thank yes. them all for, yeah. for their service. But I think last night and, and Ian, I don't know if this was your question, but, you know, Tibbs was asked about the the cohesion and the offensive unit gelling. And for the first time in a while, we heard uh, a frustrated and impatient Tom Thibodeau that kind of seemed to send a message to his starters that, you know, we, we don't have time for, for these guys to, to get it together. They've got to get it together now. So I think the rebounding thing is going to be something that um, is going to be issue for this team going forward, just because we, we just don't have the personnel that's going to lead the league in rebounds. But the lack of offense right now is very concerning. You know, Ian gave you his thoughts to, to kick off. This offensive unit has been outscored now by 64 points in 205 minutes. It's one of the worst offense starting units in the league right now. We knew the defense was going to take a bit of a regression with, with the additions of Fournier and Kemba, but now they're not adding much on the offensive side of things. They're looking around. It's, it's a lot of Julius Randle iso ball, and there's just no engine. There's no spark. We have no playmaking in that offensive unit. So to me, that's the bigger issue right now. Yeah. Like if you lose some, you know, stuff on defense with Kemba Fournier, you're like, all right, you need to produce, you know, at a higher clip offensively so you can take that uh, defensive step back. But, you know, Sean, speaking about Kimba Walker, see if you brought him up, uh, he was perhaps the Knicks' biggest acquisition this offseason. He's averaged under five points over the last four games, including just two last night. What have you thought about uh, his start to his Knicks' career? Well, I, I think it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a series of things. It's we got we got to understand that you know Kimba is not going to be that Kimba Walker in his his days in Charlotte. That those days are gone. So if you if you factor in though all the knee surgeries and the stem cell treatment and you know the poking of the hip to put something in the knee, I mean you you got to understand he's on minute restrictions right now. And I'm I'm gonna look at Kimba after 20 games. We're only 12 games into the season. So I think he's kind of pacing himself and trying to find ways, trying to figure out where he's going to get his shots and how he's going to actually fit in, you know, with him and Derrick Rose sharing the workload. Yeah, I think sometimes you see Kimba, he's still not fully comfortable trying to, like you said, trying to figure out his role, where he fits in. And we'll see if that, you know, is going to, you know, translate, it's going to come into fruition when he gets more comfortable as the season goes on. And once again, you can write your questions into the comment section no matter what platform you're watching on, and we'll get to them throughout the show. And Ian, uh, on Julius Randle, uh, moving to him, we've seen a mix of performances from him this season. And Philly carried the team Wednesday, started out strong. He was killing it, 11 points halfway through the first, then only posted five the rest of the game. Where is Julius Randle's game right now, a dozen contests into the season? Yeah, I think Sean mentioned Kemba Walker trying to find his spots, and that to me makes sense. I think it's a little bit similar with Julius Randle in terms of trying to find the balance of everything going through him, which it did last year and trying to get other people involved because you get other people involved that offense is at its best. And I think it's an adjustment. You've seen some games where he seemed to force shots for stretches, but then other games more recently, I don't think he's forced a ton of shots. I think it's been, uh, I think he's honed that in and it seems like he's finding that balance between uh, going, getting his own and creating for others last year. Everything went through him, right? He touched the ball every possession. Uh, he created offense so regularly. So this is new. 
And it's another thing he has to adjust to. I think that's what you're seeing from him so far, just finding that balance. He's probably going to be, you know, looking for it all year long and trying to figure it out. But I give him credit for not forcing it too much recently. CP, what, what are you seeing from Julius Randle right now? Yeah, I agree with everything that that Ian said, and it was something that uh, we figured was going to, you know, happen as this season took place, and and just trying to find that chemistry and that dynamic with. Kemba Walker and Evan Forney in particular, because last year so much of the playmaking was on Julius's shoulders. So it just seems like he he's trying to figure out that balance. Uh, but right now, you know, another top, another thing that we had mentioned in the preseason show, Ian, was that we were looking for ways to get Julius easier shots. Yeah. in this lineup rather than just relying on him in isolation situations. And that's where I wanted to see more of a two-man game between he and Kemba Walker, between he and Fournier, and, and even he and RJ Barrett, just to see if we can get Julius going downhill a little bit more, getting some him some easier shots in rhythm. And that way we're not just relying on him to create in isolation and, you know, settle for a lot of mid-range shots because it, it's just not work clicking right now on the offensive side. Need the creator. I mean, you said it last night, CP. You said it today. They need a creator. They thought they had more offensive creators. The, you know, the equation for them, I think, was we're going to get Kemba Walker. We're going to get Evan Fournier. And the offensive increase that we get for them is going to outweigh what we lose on defense. That hasn't happened uh, most nights so far. And, again, it's early. I think it's too soon to kind of bang the drum for massive, you know, rotation changes, lineup changes. But if things continue to trend this way, I think that Thibodeau wouldn't hesitate to make a move because they're trying to win games. I mean, they won 41 games last year. That created a, a certain bar of expectations um, outwardly, but also internally. They've, uh, some people over there felt like, hey, this was a great season. We need to build off this. We can't take a step backwards. So they're trying to win games. There's not going to be any tanking or anything like that. They're trying to win every night. So, yeah, they've got to figure it out quickly. And, Sean, where do you think – uh, they would need to make changes if, you know, these trends continue with Kimba, with Evan, uh, some of the players that, you know, haven't really roast the occasion uh, like we thought uh, going into the season. Well, I, you know, one thing right, that really sticks out to me looking at the, the Knicks, uh, the first, these last three, four games, they, they must and they have to move the basketball. I, I think they play a lot better and I think they need to push more. I think they need to push pace. I, you see in, in certain stretches, when D Rose get it and they push the pace, they look like they're having fun. Uh, also, let me go back to Julius Randle just for a quick second. Julius, I, I, I get it. He's worked on his game. He's put in the work. He's gotten better. He's done the things that you need to do to 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 get to that level where he's at at this at this particular time. But what the Knicks actually needs from him, night in and night out, is him playing both ends of the floor. When Julius not locks in on defense, I think it starts with him. I think the Knicks, you know, we talked about offensively going through him. I think setting the defensive tone goes through him. But I think, you know, to answer your question, they the ball does not need to stop. And I think that's that that's that's where they need to evolve to get back get to to uh, to actually get back up into the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, because we've seen. No, go ahead, Ian. Sean, do you see that the ball stopping? Is that a, a product of Randall or another player holding on to it? Or is it a product of not enough movement off the ball uh, to create a, a good look, good, good passing opportunity? How are you seeing that right now? 
Well, here's when, when, when you got a guy like D Rose and you got a guy like Emmanuel quickly coming in off the bench, I think those guys can get in the paint and really create those drive and kick opportunities. Uh, well, well, to answer your question, yes, I think when Julius gets it, gets the ball, uh, it stops and everybody's standing. There's no cutting. There's no, you know, it's, it's just too much standing. And I think you go and look at the Milwaukee game when they went, a, went on a stretch where they didn't score the basketball particularly well. That's when we had that that one on one basketball and 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 so he, he, when Julius moves the ball and he moves and it, it, I think it's a it's, it's a much more synergy to their offense when when the ball doesn't stop. Yeah, and speaking about Julius, you know, uh, when when it comes to you know his rebounding, so got to be legend is asking on YouTube, I believe. Uh, what do you guys think about Julius having six out of 12 games with zero offensive rebounds? Mitch can't do it all. We need those extra possessions. I'll go with you, CP, first. Yeah, it hurts us. And shout out my guy, got to be legend, hailing in from Costa Rica, one of our uh, <laughs> uh, longtime supporters of Knicks Fan TV and, and uh, uh, make some big contributions to the show. But I think it hurts us because, because we can't just rely on Mitchell Robinson. We know that's a big area of, of strength for him. But with the hip injury, you know, he seemed to be laboring last couple of games. Julius has got to be on the boards. It's got to be more by committee, but yeah, you, you certainly want to see uh, Julius attacking the glass a little bit more. It's just a bit uh, too inconsistent in the last few games and, and it's hurt us. I think last night we lost the rebounding battle 50 to 32. So uh, it has to be by committee, but Julius certainly has to lead the charge. Something with the rebounding too is I think it's worth pointing out that Mitch Robinson is not where he would like to be or the Knicks would like him to be ideally from a stamina perspective, from a win perspective, he's still working his way back. He didn't play basketball for basically seven months, and he's really just getting back on the court. So I think it might take him some time to get to a place where he has the win to, to play the way he wants to play. Remember, he put on some weight in the offseason. And then Nerlens Noel has been banged up. So the Knicks really haven't had uh, a fully healthy center spot at all this year. Where last year, Mitch was banged up, but Nerlens was healthy and he filled in nicely. They haven't had that yet. So I think that factors into what you're seeing from that starting unit defensively too. I wonder if it'll be different, like Sean said, if they move the ball a little bit more, but also Mitchell Robinson, if he's in top shape, is he a different player? Yeah. Once he gets his game, go ahead. I was just going to say also, you know, on the offensive side, if Julius is the one that's taking a lot of the perimeter shots, a lot of, you know, mid-range, a lot of three-point shots, it's going to be hard to ask him to, to go, you know, go get offensive rebounds as well. Yeah. So, you know, if he's not attacking the glass and, and trying to get tippings and so on and so forth, he's not going to lock much, uh, many offensive rebounds. That's a very good point. And be sure to always check out SNY.TV for our tremendous Knicks coverage. Ian has a recap of the Knicks-Bucks matchup last night. It's always on top of the latest news. And CP, we've already seen – a few ebbs and flows on the young season for R.J. Barrett. A self-admitted slow start followed by an offensive explosion that was highlighted by a career-high 35 in New Orleans. But it's quieted down again, just 6-15 and nine points over his last three games, respectively. Do you think Mr. R.J. can find some consistency this year? Or are we just going to have to settle for his up-and-down nature uh, for the rest of his career? Or I should say for the rest of this season, because anything could change uh, leaders to come. 
Well, as I like to call him, Broadway Barrett, number nine, he'll be all right, man. You know, as we saw, we saw the offensive explosion in New Orleans. It was a great sight to see. He cooled off a bit against the Cavs. Yeah, I, I thought that was more of a product of just his shots just not falling. I thought he did get some shots in rhythm and, and it just wasn't there for him. Um, last night was I thought it was a product of, you know, listen, we got blown out. We were getting blown out by 24 points. There was no flow to the offense and Tibbs ended up going with the second unit, rightfully so, to close the game. So there really wasn't many opportunities opportunities for RJ to get in there and uh, and impact the game. But one thing that Tibbs says is that, you know, when you're not shooting the ball well, how are you impacting the game? And when I go back to that Philadelphia game where, look, he had 15 points, it wasn't an efficient night for him. But in that fourth quarter, when Philadelphia was closing the gap, RJ made some clutch plays in that fourth quarter, one as a playmaker, Found Alec Burks for a corner three, which was notable. And then on the following play, um, hit a three-point shot himself. So, you know, if if he makes two more three-pointers that almost go down in that game, he, he goes from 15 points to 21 points. And maybe, you know, we're not talking about a, a slow start or, or a regression there. So I, I think RJ would be fine. I'd like to ask Sean, you know, he, he did mention us getting out in transition and pushing the pace more. I think that's an area where RJ can excel. But what about maybe giving RJ a bit more playmaking opportunities within that starting unit to kind of help alleviate the pressure on uh, on Julius Randle where, where Kemba's just not getting it done right now? Well, look, you know, it's it's like you're in my brain right now because that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Yeah. I want Tibbs to actually mix it up a little bit with RJ. Allow him to run the point every now and then to get his juices going. Let him play. Because, look, guys, look, look, listen. We we know R.J. Barrett is not the most athletic guy on the team or in the league. He's not – he don't have the quickest first step. What R.J. – now, he's gotten better. He's shooting the ball a lot better. He You know, R.J. is the type of guy that he's going he's gonna to do whatever it takes to win. He, you know, he's a very good complimentary piece in the NBA. Now, I'm going a, I'm to a spin it a little bit here. Will he finish his career with the New York Knicks? I doubt it. But that's another oh. story for another oh, day. Oh, 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 Look, look I got y'all jumping now. Right, I just don't think he'll finish. But, but, but to your point, to, to, to your question, I think – if we can get RJ in transition more, you will see a much more energized. I mean, it does something to him. You go back to his days at Duke. Now you talk about the six fifteen and 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 the last three nine. games or whatever yeah. Yeah. nine six fifteen and nine. So you got to understand in his pre-draft report, they talked about how RJ disappears sometimes. Mm. Now, and it's 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 holding true now that he's with the Knicks. But listen. If, if if we can get him playing the point in some possessions, if Tibbs can just get him at the playmaking uh, spot and just allow him to get that feel and, and get comfortable and, you know, make a couple of passes, I think that will bode well for the Knicks down the stretch. And I definitely think that it will help RJ with his confidence moving forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You know, the interesting thing is is you brought in Kemba Walker, you brought in Evan Fournier, and, and you wanted them to make plays for you if you're the Knicks. And then where did that leave R.J. Barrett as a playmaker? It's 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 a little trickier to fit him in in that role, a role that I thought he thrived in at times last year. Uh, specifically to that, Sean, what are you seeing from R.J. in terms of his pace when he has the ball in his hands and his decision-making? It seems like he's become more comfortable kind of pulling it out, resetting and waiting for the screen. How are you seeing that from him? Look, we all want to see the 35-point R.J. Barrett night in and night out, the the New Orleans Pelicans game R.J. Barrett night in and night out. But let's be realistic. That's not going to happen every night. But to answer your question, his pace has gotten a lot. His pace with the ball has gotten a lot better from his rookie year. He looks really comfortable, like you said. I just think uh, R.J., when he when he's in when he has the ball in his hands, I think he's method he he's very methodical with it, and I think you just gotta allow him to just free flow, come out of the, like he did with New Orleans. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't even thinking; he was just playing. Mm-hmm. And I think he gets in old in in into that thinking mode sometimes, where I, you know, like I said, he's a complimentary piece. A lot of people don't might not understand what that means, but sometimes I think he can take the lead when Julius is not in the in the offense. I think he can he can really relish into that role of somebody that that can can lead the team, can 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 initiate offense, can play isolation, can can uh you know play in the in in, in the pick and roll. And and I like I said, will he ever be an all-star? I doubt it. Will he ever be first team all defense? I doubt it. I mean, he said that at the beginning of the year, but he looks really good in those when he's when he has the ball in his hands and, and playing with pace. Yeah, and you know, he looks good when he has the ball in his hands. Uh, but when it comes to off the ball, especially with uh Evan and RJ, the Fishers on YouTube is asking Ian, uh, they don't play well off the ball together. They cover similar assignments, and it's clear RJ does well, included with the second unit. Evan made his money game one. It's time to run through RJ. Do you agree with that, Ian? 
And is the question more so um, defensively or offensively in terms of running through RJ? I, I just want to clarify there from the Fisher. I, I think know. it, I think it's offensively. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think, listen, Evan Fournier, um, if he's not going to knock shots down for you, which he has and he hasn't, depending on the night, um, he's, he's not as effective for you out there on the floor. So I wonder, you know, how long do you stay with a Fournier on a night where he's not hitting shots? Listen, he's not a uh, – I don't think he's a plus defender. I think people around the league would agree on that. But he's strong and he's tough, and he uses uh, his frame uh, to bother people on defense. So I, think, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, like a, a sunk cost on that. However, I, I do think if you're choosing one over the other, you might want to choose R.J. Barrett because uh, if, you, if you make him the creator, you put the ball in his hands, maybe that opens up more looks for Evan Fournier to knock down shots as opposed to asking Evan to be a creator. Maybe you ask him uh, to spot up and knock a shot down. Uh, it when RJ is in that lineup, you know, that could be a tweak that you see. I think it's an interesting point from uh, the Fishers. Yeah. We'll see how it all develops as the season continues and be sure to watch Geico sports night all night, every night starting at 11 PM on SNY. The show has plenty of next news, sound and discussion throughout the week, plus highlights and post-game reaction following every single game. Ian Begley stops by. From time to time, uh, I've been known to frequent the show just a little bit as well. So be sure to watch Geico Sports Night on SNY. Chris, now it is time for something we like to call the Rose Garden, where Chris gives some flowers to a player or an aspect of the team that he thinks may be a little bit under-discussed, under the radar uh, recently. And so now, Chris, what are we talking about this week? All right, so my pick is Obi Toppin, because we talk about Derrick Rose He's great. We talk about Emmanuel quickly, the spark that he provides off the bench. But I feel like not enough people give Obi Toppin credit for how he's been able to mature in the game. He looks so much more comfortable. We saw in that second half against the Bucs, he was taking Giannis to the rim and he wasn't scared, you know, of the defensive player, former defensive player of the year. He looks a lot more at ease with his spot. He can get those alley-oops. He also is a, a great, def- I won't say he's a great defender, but he can alter shots on the defensive end. And I just like that he's able to move a lot more freely and a lot more confidently. And so I think he's somebody who tips should actually give more minutes because when he's on the floor, you can see how much better the Knicks do when he has those minutes. I, I got to ask CP something because it's one of those burning topics about OB uh, that Nick fans have been talking about early in the season. CP, should he be getting more minutes? How should those minutes come? How do you feel about OB and increasing the minutes or leaving them where they're at? It's so hard, man. And I got to agree with everything that Sean said, because OB, when I, when I look at OB from last year to this year, it's all about energy. It's all about confidence, you know, making that quick decision out of the pick and roll, attacking the basket, finishing very well at the rim, 84% finishing at the rim. Knicks are plus 27 points per 100 possessions when he's out there on the floor. He's out there helping that second unit. The chemistry with Derrick Rose is off the charts. He and IQ also developing that energy and he's bringing it on both ends of the floor, not necessarily lockdown defender, but he's, bringing that energy there as well the question becomes when it comes to more minutes and and it's been a hot topic of debate amongst the fan base is what do you do about your rim protection because your perimeter defense is breaking down so quickly that you know you need a a mitch or noel or even a taj out there to, to to be that presence to try to deter some shots at the rim and i know that has to be a number one area priority for tom thibodeau so he tibbs has already said he doesn't want to go with julius at the five because he doesn't want to wear him out 
And he's already said he's been leery about playing those two guys together because of the lack of rim protection. So I just don't see where Obi's going to get an increase in minutes unless it's a situation like last night where we needed that, you know, change of pace, that energy to try to come back into the game. And, and he brought that. DP, the other thing that's tricky, just in a bigger picture sense, is you have Julius Randle as your power forward. He's going to be playing, you know, 35 plus minutes at night. And yeah. so to work in Obi. Um, you know, more more minutes than he's getting right now. You have to get creative with the lineups. And, yeah, I don't know how comfortable Tom Thibodeau is with those. Uh, but, Sean, I have a question about just OB in general. When you looked at him year one, I know you watched him a lot. You're looking at him now year two. Uh, the outside shooting is something that everybody around the Knicks hopes comes along. Have you seen anything different from his shot? Well, what I've, what I've seen from OB, he, he's – he's taking his time and he's picking his spot. So he, he understands uh, well where he can get his shots from within the flow of the offense. And I also like the fact that he, he actually plays to his strengths. I mean, he's not out there just winging it or trying to prove to, to Tom that, you know, he's worked on his game this summer. He's not out there trying to do that. A lot of guys going into their second year, they go in, put in the work and, and then they come back and they feel like they have something to prove. But just uh, looking at his shot, I mean, his shot looked fluid to me. Uh, he looks like, uh, you know, like you guys said, I, I think he deserves more minute, minutes. But, you know, Tom, he's going to play those bets. Uh, he's going to – he trusts those bets. And I think, you know, as the season goes on, he's going to have to find minutes for Obi and Emmanuel quickly at some point, especially when they have these stale moments uh, throughout games. He, he's going to have to – uh, you know, input those guys in, in, into the lineup at, at some point and then play extensive minutes. Yeah, I think it's very interesting, though, that he decided to keep the starters out during that fourth quarter because he's such a loyal guy and he's yeah. loyal to those veterans. Uh, but the fact that he kept them kept the bench in, and we saw what they did getting them back in the game. I think that speaks volumes about what we might see going forward when it comes to, you know, finding minutes for Obi uh, when the starters are not playing well or trying to get, you know, some rim protection. But uh, CP, you know, Obi's a rookie, fellow rookie mate, uh, Emmanuel quickly uh, started off quietly, uh, but he seemed to have found his lane as of late. He scored in double figures each of his last three games, including a season high 18 against the Bucks. What are your expectations for him this season? Well, you know, after, after last night's debacle, you, you're hearing a, a lot of uh, rumblings amongst the fan base to put him in the starting lineup. I, I don't think we're there just yet. I don't see Tibbs doing that just yet, but it's been uh, great to see IQ really finding his groove these last couple of games. He's been very efficient from downtown. He's becoming a bit more of a playmaker. You saw you saw that alley-oop to Obi Toppin yep. last night. Uh, he's been active in the passing lanes, logging a, a, a few games with a, a couple steals over the last few games. So um, I thought IQ's bringing it on both ends of the floor, bringing energy on both ends of the floor, which is much needed. And so the question becomes, if the offense continues to sputter, you know, down the road, I don't see it, you know, in the, in the near future, but it, after a few games, 20 games or so, does Tibbs look in that direction? Because we know it, it was a point of emphasis to, you know, help Emmanuel quickly develop as a point guard, especially throughout summer league and the preseason. And it's going to be very important now because if, if we don't have an impact in that starting unit, he could be relied upon to be more of a playmaker, to be more of an off-ball scorer for us. But I think he's trending in that direction right now. And he obviously, you know, has a prominent role on this team right now. But do you think there's a way to advance his spot even further if he keeps up this level of play? 
Yeah, and you know what? They may make tweaks to the rotation, may make tweaks to his minutes. I think that's something that's always under consideration from this coaching staff. But I also, just with Emmanuel quickly, what impresses me just as a young player is when he wasn't shooting the ball well, there was a six-game stretch, I think, where he was around 20% from the field. He wasn't bothered. He just came in with the same approach every day. He was talking about it last night, just trying to uh, focus in on that play, whatever it is that night, that play. And he, he doesn't get caught up in shooting well or shooting poorly. And that consistency, especially when you're a young player, such a talented player, I think that's going to help take you far in this league with quickly. So I think that's something you have to be optimistic about uh, if you're the Knicks, just the idea that regardless of if he's knocking shots down or if he isn't, he's that same guy mentally every day. Right. You, you see that clearly, you know, out there on the floor. And that's what I love about him. It doesn't, like you said, it doesn't matter how he's shooting. He's not going to let that affect other parts of his game, whether it comes to playmaking defensively and so on. And uh, the Knicks play some lighter competition guys over the next few games before dealing with the Bulls, the Lakers, the Hawks towards the end of the month. So Sean, I'll start with you. What's one improvement you'd like to see the Knicks make over these next few games? Well, uh, Offensively, I, I think they need to figure out who they are and uh, and, and and who uh, where they're going to get their shots. I, I think they need to really get guys that can really attack the paint and and and, and put more emphasis on D rolls quickly getting getting in the paint, uh, and, and which is it puts a lot of pressure on the opposing defenses. And I think that opens up the offense a little bit more. It, it gives you a, I mean, they have a floor floor spacer now with. With Evan Fournier and 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 when Julius is rolling, uh, those guys can make shots on a consistent basis. But I think those guys really and really need to think about pushing pace. Uh, and, and and I think that that after like I said, I, I break the season down in, in 20, 20 game game increment increments. You know, the first twenty games they're trying to figure things out. They're trying to figure themselves out. I mean, preseason is only two weeks. But going forward, I mean, then I, see, I look at the next 20 games going into All-Star break, after All-Star break, and then playoffs. But I, 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 I'm not worried about the Knicks at all. I think going back to Emmanuel quickly, I, when I played the game, my coach used to tell me, make me play you more minutes. Make me play you. And I think he's going to push Tibbs in, that, push Tibbs in that, that direction because he's an offensive uh He's really good offensively, and he's a shot creator. But I think Tibbs has to trust him defensively. I think mm -hmm. he he got to earn Tibbs' trust on that end. And then I think his – because he's only averaging, what, about 16, 18 minutes a game now. And I think he can get up to that 20, 25 range if, if Tibbs can look at him like, look, can I trust you? But going forward, I think offensively we need they need to push pace and get guys to get attack that paint. CP, what about you? Are you are you in the same mindset or is there something else that you see that they really need to improve to take themselves to another level? Well, for me right now, it, it's got to be the energy and their intensity because I don't see any lineup changes coming in, in the near future. But what they can change is their approach. And again, you see that in these letdown games where the next game they'll come out with, with more fire on the defensive end. Their rotations are more crisp. They're attacking the basket. And so you want to see that more on, on a consistent basis. I thought last night Tibbs sent a subtle jab to his starting unit by, number one, leaving that second unit in to finish the game, although they were spent. And also taking that shot at the unit uh, in the post game, just saying, you know, he's running out of patience. So 
those guys have to come together. They've got to be attacking more, whether it's putting the ball in RJ's hands a bit more or Julius being uh, in attack mode where he can create for others and, and create open looks uh, at the three-point line. So to me, it's just they've got to pick up their energy. Fournier as well, you know, not to single out a guy, but, you know, Fournier was a guy when many years ago when, when we had a chance to get him at the trade deadline, I kind of shunned it because I just felt like he's a guy that sometimes you don't even know he's on the court. And, and you see in that this year, unfortunately. So this is a guy that we paid. Welcome to New York. Expectations are going to be up there. You got to be more of a dog out there, man. You've got to show up every night. Yeah. It's one thing to show up, you know, in that first game uh, against the Celtics and go off from three, but when you play in New York and they, the, the, the amount of money the Knicks are paying uh, for you, you need to be, um, knowing that you're on the court and you're making an impact. Ian, what about you? What improvement would you like to see from them? This is going to sound crazy, but I, I say, Chris, just keep doing what you're doing. And I say that because I think sometimes we get a little too caught up in you know, screaming for big-time changes, big-time adjustments uh, over the course of a season, particularly early in this season. I think you have to trust in your decision-making with bringing in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, and you have to trust that they will figure it out with Julius Randle. And so I don't think it's time to, to make some crazy uh, lineup adjustments. I don't think it's time to make a, uh, any kind of a trade right now. And I was talking to a player from the Bucks last night after the game, and he said, listen, this you guys have something here. Uh, you guys have something here. You have uh, a core here. And he said, look at what happened with us. You know, we were right there uh, against Toronto, and then uh, they didn't make uh, they didn't get through Toronto, obviously. And then last the year after that was the bubble. But they yeah. felt like they were right there again. They were a great regular season team. And then they broke through last year and they won a title. So this player was saying, listen, you just have to be consistent. And to me, that's something that you haven't seen much of from the Knicks over the last you know two decades or so. So, you know, if Leon Rose and Scott Perry and World Wide West, William Wesley and Tom Thibodeau can stay the course. Uh, I think that's the best approach right now. Yeah, I think the future is definitely bright. Obviously, there's some minor tweaks that Tibbs has to make, but definitely you shouldn't be making any drastic changes at this point because, like you said, they do have a, a core that can do things, uh, do something special in years to come. But that's going to do it for this week's edition of The Putback with Ian Begley. Our thanks to Sean Farmer for his perspective. Really appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks, CP. Uh, be sure to follow him and watch him on Knicks Fan TV. We are back next Monday, November 22nd at noon for the next live version of the show. For Ian Begley, I'm Chris Williamson. We'll see you next time on The Putback.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.